재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 And we're back. We're continuing our discussion on the issue of native English teachers. Why the demand in this English education craze country seems to be going down. We've uh, talked about some of the reasons why, and we'll delve into some of the uh, other issues of English education, how to improve it, how to maybe at least, if results are the most important thing, um, bring up and educate a generation of students who can be uh competent in the language without just the uh, rote memorization and the passing of uh, standardized tests. So give us your thoughts. Text us at pound 1013 for 51 or send us a Kakao Talk message. We will be joined by English education professor Christian Kim uh, shortly, but here in the studio joining us we have Hanyang University English education professor Lee Munu and blogger for Korean for- foreigner as well as a very uh, experienced um, English instructor John Lee. Thank you both for joining us once again. Uh this is going to be just a blunt I suppose question in terms of the idea of hiring these native speakers from Canada or the United States come here pay them as you say 3 million won a month um teaching in the public schools all over the region and I know there was a lot of that had to do with regional balance and also helping people who can't afford private education do it but do you believe it is necessary to have a native english speaker in primary or secondary schools Um it's hard to say like you know it's necessary but I do think like you know it has its own advantages like um the native speakers um have the advantages in terms of, especially in terms of like they can give the authentic input to the students and they can use a lot of like native like pronunciation and also the uh, skills or like the expressions and also they can utilize their cultural knowledge uh, regarding the target language so i do believe that uh, we need mm. uh, the native speakers in our classrooms but the issue like the main issue here is uh, how we can actually utilize the yeah. workforce And there's that uh, idea of ROI, right? Rate return on investment and if you're putting in that much money, are you get really getting right. that out and I guess that's been determined that mm-hmm. uh maybe not the case. I mean, again, aside from the private sector, do you believe it isn't because there have been issues also with how well the synergy is with the uh, the Korean English teachers and the native English teachers and how effective that has been. Do you feel it is crucial to have native English teachers in the public school systems? I think it really depends on what we are trying to achieve. If what we are saying is if if all we want is for the students to just get high scores in the exams then no they're not necessary but the thing about uh native english teachers is that besides language language is more than just words it's also about culture and if you don't teach the culture as well then really all you're learning is the artificial stuff and so in some ways i do think in, uh, native english teachers are necessary but again that depends on what people want Interesting. Let's uh, also hear from our expert on the line joining us from Kunguk University. We have English education professor Christian Kim. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining us Professor Kim. Uh why do you believe demand for native English teachers is declining? Um I mean I I guess it was uh, already briefly discussed on the show so I hope I'm not overlapping okay. too much with it. Um I heard comments about the administration. I agree with that. Um I think if there's anything new for me to add it's the maybe the overall quality of the native speakers mm. and um to give you an example of that it's probably well my first experience when I came into Korea was in 97 on the epic program mm. and um that was the first that was the second year of the attempt to get native speakers in uh public schools and I came in on that program 
And at the time when I was interviewed in the, uh, I was in New York at the time and I was interviewed and there was a, another program called JET, which was the Japanese right. English training program. And to tell you the truth, basically the people that came over on Epic, the pay was about half. So mm. we, if the, the people that got rejected from JET were the people that came in on Epic, of course, I don't want to say 100%. There were people that, you know, really wanted to visit the country and all. But from the beginning when this program began, I thought that the quality of the native speakers that came into the country was, you know, uh, it's subpar at yeah. best is what I what I thought. Interesting point indeed. Uh, sort of if, I guess, if there's uh, in sports uh, the ilgun and igun or the majors and the minors, I guess the guys sure. can't make it into the big show. Uh, the implication being that a lot of them came over on the EPIC program. Uh, there's also been a school of thought that a lot of the students, as well as the parents, and uh, we were in the break talking about how important with English education the, the sangnam or the, the dealing with the parents situation is sure. with it, uh, that uh, there's a preference actually for Korean teachers who teach English rather than these native English teachers. Is it because they teach better or is it because it's just uh, easier for them to deal with? Well, yeah, I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to bring another topic into this, but it's been, now I've been teaching in Korea for 10 years. And the biggest difference that I see with teaching in the U.S. and in Korea is that in Korea, a teacher, you know, just culturally, you have to do so much more than teaching. And even for me, that was a tough adjustment mm -hmm. to make. And, you know, I still, somewhere in my mind, I think, my main job is to, you know, give information to teach, to, to, you know, help them improve their skills. Yet, you know, I think teachers in Korea, we are, um, we take on another burden of like mentor, um, maybe guiding their overall, you know, uh, self. Right. And um, normally, unless you're from that kind of culture, like myself, I had Korean parents, so, you know, it wasn't as shocking for me to jump into that. But for someone that's not part of the Korean culture to accept that responsibility is pretty tough. And when that responsibility is called upon you, some of them, you know, they, they don't obviously, you know, make, make that responsibility. They don't fulfill the responsibility. And is it their fault? I'm mm. uncertain about that. But the parents' expectation from their point of view, yeah. yes, they aren't the teachers that they're looking for. John, you were saying similar things over the break, right, about that? Yes. Uh, dealing with parents is not the easiest thing. But, uh, hey, it comes with the territory. Well, let's actually uh, have our professor of English education, who is Korean, uh, Professor Lee Moon-woo. Uh, again, I I'm sure you're going to be diplomatic about this, but uh, <laughs> do you feel that uh, maybe Korean teachers can teach English better than the native English just because they understand the nuances of the culture better? You know, as I mentioned before, like the native English teachers, they do have their advantages in terms of language and culture. And, uh, but Korean teachers, like a Korean English teacher, they do have their advantages too. Like, for example, the metalinguistic knowledge, such as a grammar and structure. And also they, uh, share the same experience with their students in terms of like, you know, taking the sunung and or like, you know, other types of standardized uh, form of tests. So they know the strategies. Uh, so I think, you know, their advantages are kind of, you know, uh, they, uh, can be divided into two sectors, I think. Yeah. So, um, I wouldn't say like, you know, which one is better than, you know, at the other okay. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's hard to say. Yeah. Um, the issue of 
race. And this is sort of like a, a tangent, but in my earlier career when I was here in Korea and doing broadcasting and other uh, voice work type situations, there was a strong preference for white broadcasters because there was this idea that Koreans' tongues were formed in a different way and they couldn't pronounce the native words as well, which I thought was ridiculous. I was like, bring any white guy here, let's see who can pronounce the word better. But that seems to have changed now and you don't really get that. Uh, John, do you feel that that white preference is still prevalent or has it kind of faded with the increasing number of kyopos here in the country? It has certainly faded over the years. Now, you had Taeyeonli here earlier and uh, the Korea Observer has al uh, also talked about this, uh, about this at least more than once. And so there is still that white teacher's preferences uh, that, that are still in the market, but I don't feel it as much as people say that it does. Uh, in my line of work, I've worked with people of color as well, uh, not just uh, uh, not just Korean Americans, but of course pe um, people who are from South Africa, right. uh, you know, everywhere else. And so I think a lot of this is right now anecdotal, to say the least. It is anecdotal, to say the least. Uh, I, I remember it even um, if I would go on an audition or something, people would look at me and be surprised because when I said my name was Henry Shin, they thought I, they thought my name was Henry Sheen, like Charlie Sheen, and so they thought a white guy was coming in to do the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Professor Christian Kim, what about you? Do you feel that that uh, white-only preference is sort of fading away? Um. But I think it's, it, it has its ebbs and, and flows, meaning like um, I think it's a cycle, and right now it seems to be that way. But I could see that preference coming back, um, as, as was mentioned earlier in the show, with the change of administration, um, you know, what's in fashion and what's out of fashion changes very rapidly in Korea, but definitely right now um, they're not as, um, you know, um, uh, receptive to, I guess, or, or, or want only the white, you know, native speaker as, as they used to. I mean, there's often a negative stereotype with these um, Caucasian teachers who come over. A lot of people, if you say it in a derogatory way, oh, you were pumping gas back at home and now you're coming over here making good money trying to uh, earn a living just because you can speak your native language. Uh, you mentioned, Professor Christian Kim, about the uh, qualifications problem, especially with the EPIC program and <clears throat> in comparison to JET. How can public schools as well as private schools attract top quality teachers? Does it really just come down to money or is there another way? Absolutely, it comes down to money. I uh. mean, um, it's all about the Benjamins, as they say, meaning um, if you want to attract qualified teachers to, I mean, it, it, you know, I, I don't want to just bash the, the native speakers saying that they're doing a bad job because, you know, when they come over, they're in a new culture, they're, they're away from home, and there are a lot of problems that they have to deal with. And if you're, if the pay, if, for example, if you're pumping gas and what they're paying you in Korea is more than when you were pumping gas, those are not the type of the people that we want to attract. We want to, you know, give them, uh, at least a certain amount of money so that it's, uh, comparable to what they had or, or even better. But I'm talking about people that are not pumping gas. I'm talking about people that, you know, led regular lives and, you know, they could have been something else, but they decided to go, you know, uh, on this uh, teacher broad option. Right. We do have some uh, opinions coming in. Just want to briefly uh, mention them. Uh, texting us at 6567 saying the importance of English uh, as a whole is in decline here and the country is sure. headed in a 
in another way. Also sending us Kakao Talk messages. Dandridge says most native teachers aren't qualified. Also, uh, the current contracts for about 2.3 million won, but if you uh, add in housing costs and all that, I think we get close to that 3 million won figure. Uh, when I was a public school teacher, nearly every Korean English teacher couldn't speak English. I, I think we'll have Professor Lee uh, comment on that as well. John, uh, what what do you think about um, this issue of qualifications? Well, uh, again, this is just from my perspective, the teachers that I've worked with, uh, some of them have been highly qualified teachers, teachers that uh, I could not say anything bad about. But again, like Professor Kim mentioned, there were some professors, some English teachers, who um, left much to be desired. And so as far as qualifications go, I think uh, EPIC, uh, that uh, Professor Lee mentioned, EPIC is one way to go about this. But I think another way that we can go about it is actually have a consumer report sort of association that actually is filled with individuals who know what the industry is like, who know, what, who know what kind of teachers that we need, who will actually give honest reports about the kinds of teachers and about the kinds of different schools and hard ones that are in the market right now so that people can choose which teachers they want to learn from and which teachers to avoid. Professor Lee, uh, when you were here, we were talking about Sunung and that problem with the education yeah. system and how everyone's being forced to kind of, like robots, just study uh, and memorize multiple choice tests, just kind of filling in the right bubbles. What do you think the main problems are? Because we keep hearing about things about, oh, even the uh, Korean English teachers can't really speak English. Uh, most of them can obviously read and understand. Uh, there are certain aspects that uh, the results are not falling short. What do you think are the main problems? I think uh, the key factor is the teacher education. Like um, the young teachers that I can see, like you know, uh, around me, they are they are good in terms of speaking too. They are good, yeah. like in general, right. uh, the communicative competence is uh, really high. But um, unfortunately, uh, old generation they have to be trained again um, in accordance with the trend of nowadays. So I think the in-service teacher education is highly needed uh, in this English education field. Professor Christian Kim, um, overall, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's uh, maybe low marks, but in terms of the competitiveness of English education and in terms of wanting to uh, have our younger generations be competitive in the global marketplace and be competent and be articulate and be eloquent in communicating, whether it's verbally, through written, or any other means. Uh, what do you think we can do to enhance that quality? Um, uh, do I have three hours to uh, <laughs> get, in, get into this? Uh, but I guess to uh, answer your question briefly, um, just overall, just in our field of English education, um, culturally, I think there needs to be a shift from an accuracy-focused education into a fluency-focused education, meaning, um, you know, the way the Korean curriculum is structured is very heavy on structure, meaning textbooks, everything's focused on grammar. And if you're afraid to make a mistake, then you're never going to be fluent. But on yeah. the other side, I think if we push for fluency, um, the students, you know, if most students have fluency, the ones that need the accuracy to go on to the next level, we can easily fix that later. Mm -hmm. So I think overall, we need to get away from this uh, structure-based curriculum and syllabus. All right. Very good to have your thoughts. Professor Christian Kim from Kungluk University, you. thank you very much for joining us. Um, You're very welcome. Thank you for having me on the show.
As we uh, wrap up our discussions here with Professor Yi Munu and uh, John Lee, uh, Professor Lee, in your view, what do you think um, needs to be done? I think you mentioned because you are very actively involved in training the next uh, uh, educators of, of tomorrow that uh, the younger generation, in your view, you seem pretty optimistic. Uh, they do have those communicative skills for the modern area that, that can uh, train. So uh, do you feel that we need to make major changes or do you think we just need to have that sort of right, that generational change and, and, and have these new teachers in the workplace and things will kind of fix itself? Um, I think that, you know, um, the the generational change will happen soon, I think. Uh, but the um, the thing that we have to remember regarding this, like native speaker issue, is like uh, we have to find the direction of English education. Uh, there is like right now we don't have like a clear direction of English education in general. Why do we have to study English, or like you know what it means to be good at English in this globalized society? Like uh, in Korea, uh, English is kind of a tool or skill to achieve something else. Like, you know, to go to a good school or to get a high-paying job. But it's more than that. As John said before, it's more than that. It's about, like, you know, it's about culture. It's about identity. It's about, like, you know, uh, like, expand your inner space. Like, it's about, like, you know, knowing other people's perspective. So, um it's more than just, you know, getting a good score. Uh, so um, we have to, like, again, like, shift the paradigm. Mm. Like, you know, why do we have to study English uh, nowadays? And it, it's interesting, that question, why? Because there seems to be changing trends. My son goes to Orinijip Nursery School, and a lot of his classmates now, uh, they're, they're going to what are known as ones, which are Chinese ethnic kindergartens, because they're saying it's important to learn Chinese at four years old to be immersed in that and now you're going so when does it all end uh, it, it seems difficult john i guess final question for you two what do you hope will happen with the english education industry as as an active participant in it well if we are talking about if we want students who actually can be fluent in english i think right now we've spoken a lot about one side of the coin we talked about teachers we talked about the government but i think there's one side that we haven't talked about in earnest and i think that's the students and this is not going to earn me any brownie points but i think one thing that we can do is actually talk about why it might not be necessary for everyone to study english mm. if we streamline the entire learning process not just the teachers but the students as well i think we can actually get a much more uh, a much better result than what we've been getting so far right and so as a very altruistic statement coming from you i suppose because potentially could hurt your bottom line but at the end of the day it's a uh, better long term for the society long term for society but i can say it because i don't think it'll happen <laughs> Again, now we turn back to the uh, cynical round there. Uh, we have to end it there. Professor Imunu, John Lee, uh, thank you very much uh, for a great discussion. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Henry. Thank you.